Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. Hi, Mel. Hi, John. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am doing well. Finally getting coffee into my veins and <laughs> ready to rock this party for the day. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. Well, welcome and thank you so much for like taking the time. I just oh gosh, really appreciate it. Um, thank you. Okay. Well, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, all right. Let's go. Okay. So I found your podcast and I was going through all these episodes that you had talked about random things. And one of them was all about brain health and the best herbs to help maintain brain tain, which I love that <laughs> I'm huge about puns, um, maintain your brain. So let's, let's get to it. So what herbs are the best for brain health? Well, before we get into herbs, I must state that in order to have a truly healthy and functioning brain, herbs are amazing. So I'm going to shift your audience's perspective here for a second. Okay. Everybody's looking for natural remedies for everything, right? Which is awesome. We really should. Our Western medical system is broken. It is set up for sick care, right? It's not yeah. set up for our health care. But oftentimes people come to me just like with the question you just said and say, hey, Mel, what herbs are great for brain health? Well, if you are going to continue to lead a life that is causing inflammation and brain fog and what have you, which means eating most of the food that we're offered in our society mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just treating your body like crap, these herbs are basically going to be like the squirt gun trying to put out a bonfire. It's okay. going to be pretty hard, right? Yeah. So uh, I want you guys, so number one, the gut-brain connection is a real real deal. So if you take great care of your gut, you are also going to be taking much better care of your brain, right? Mm -hmm. so that's going to involve, you know, making an inhospitable environment for the bad gut bugs in your body and feeding the good gut bugs with probiotics and whatnot and just avoiding foods that cause and trigger inflammation. Right. Just listen to the word inflammation. In the middle is flame, right? So mm -hmm. think of that flame as the bonfire going on in the middle of your guts. Now, if you choose to stop throwing lo logs on the bonfire, it ultimately smolders out, right? At least like slowly and surely. Um, but if you continue to throw those logs, those logs being the crappy food that we're fed everywhere we turn and um, alcohol and cigarettes and carbonated beverages and what have you. And I'm no perfectionist in any of this, so I'm not like shooting anybody down. I'm just <laughs> raising awareness. OK, I know it's hard. Sure. I, I am there. <laughs> um, but just to shift that perspective of like you don't just slap an herb on it and fix it and if you stop putting those logs on the fire, then you can bring in the herbs to do amazing work to help put out that fire much more like a, a fire hose instead of a squirt gun. So, right. So well, I appreciate you saying all that ahead of time because that is so true. And I've heard like you can't outrun a bad diet, all of that. You know, it's the same premise that you have to start off at least on a healthier road before you start incorporating things and expecting them to work. Right, exactly. Like it's, it's like 
I think the the thing is that we're all trained this way in Western medicine, right? We mm -hmm. find a pill and it, it fixes all the problems for us. And then it creates, you know, the long list of other problems behind it. So now that that's out, I'm all about talking about herbs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I do have a question too. I had written it down because I didn't want to forget to ask is when you get into herbs, do you need to talk to your medical doctor before you, you try things like this or? I'm going to give you a yes and a no. Okay. okay. So there are so many right now, the best way to get into herbs for any of your listeners, the most simple is to look right inside of your kitchen cabinet. We're actually going to talk about one of my favorite herbs for brain health today that I guarantee you have on your spice rack. And there is so much other medicine that has incredible antiviral properties, antibacterial properties that can fight off fungal infections, that can alleviate the symptoms of cold and flu in so many incredible ways and return better gut health and ease tummy aches. All the spices in your kitchen cabinet are herbs, right? Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. And it, it's so underrated. Like I think, you know, last night in one of my programs, we were talking about heart health and we were talking about garlic and ginger in there. Like, Garlic is phenomenal, y'all. And I'm, I might be veering off the brain health topic, but this, this is what <laughs> happens when you talk to me about herbs. I'm just like, oh, herbs everywhere. No, that's fine. This is how, what it's like to talk to me, period. I can't awesome. stay on task, so we're fine. It's good. Um, I'm still talking about herbs, so that's good. But, you know, garlic is, is I mean, if you don't like garlic, we're not going to be friends, number one. You might just <laughs> stop this episode right now. But you can take them in a capsule, right? You don't have you sure to can. eat garlic. Like You sure can, okay. though there's a constituent in garlic called allicin, and it is most readily available when the garlic is raw or as close to raw as possible. Okay. It is also soluble in water and alcohol, and the allicin has much to be attributed to the phenomenal antibacterial properties of garlic. Like garlic has been shown to be effective against eight out of nine antibiotic resistant bacteria out there. Like Jeez. garlic, y'all. Yeah. And and I know garlic is like, whoo, it's hot, it's pungent, it can make like a really upset tummy and get you super duper nauseous and make you like, why did I eat this garlic? Right. So one of my favorite things to do to get raw garlic in your body, and this may make some of your listeners be like, well, that girl is crazy, um, <laughs> is to ferment it in honey. So a local raw honey and some garlic that has at least been smashed and or scored with a knife so that you're releasing that allicin, that medicinal property I was talking about. And, um, you ferment it in honey and it's so yummy. Like it takes away all that heat. And then you have this honey. You can make delicious stir fries and like stir fry up oh. broccoli or something. Um, I, you know, making your food your medicine and uh, recognizing that it's medicine is a great way to get started. So that was a really long answer to your question of whether or not people should talk with their healthcare providers before starting with herbs. Right. So there are some simple ways to go about getting things, the benefits then. then... For sure. Okay. For sure. For sure. But also herbs, while they are natural, they are not all safe. 
Some people may have certain medical conditions that do need guidance from a healthcare practitioner. Some people may be on pharmaceuticals and there are some herbs that are contraindicated with various pharmaceuticals. So as simple and beautiful and easy as it is, it's also incredibly complex. Yes. Okay. So I have another question. <laughs> are, there, are there herbs that could potentially replace certain pharmaceuticals? And I'm not telling people to do this and neither are you, but are there some herbs out there that could actually do just as much good for somebody as taking a pill? Uh, yes. And also it is also all about the lifestyle. So, um, okay. The herb isn't going to come in there and just be a drug and a pill. That's yeah. how herbs are. Yeah. It is a whole entire lifestyle shift. And I have helped numerous people get off all kinds of medications, but that's not something I'm going to just be like, take this herb and ditch that medication. Right. Um, okay. So let's set, the, let's set the tone of somebody's doing their best. Maybe they've cut out dairy and they're trying to do whatever they can to exercise a little bit more and are on a healthier path and they deal with upset stomach often. Mm -hmm. um, they feel like certain foods set their stomach off. What would be a good herb to help settle a stomach? Yeah. First, avoid that food. Second, because that's your body saying, hey, I don't like this. Stop doing that to me. Okay. Listen, listen to your body. Um, and then there's so many great herbs for gut health. It's unbelievable. Um, a lot of those culinary herbs are what's called carminative. So carminative means that it's going to ease gassiness and bloating and tummy upset in general, right? Mm -hmm. So sage, rosemary, thyme, ginger, cinnamon, all of those are really fantastic. One of my favorites, though, that is in a lot of kitchens, but not all of them, but can be fennel seed. Yes, I love fennel seed. Yeah, it's amazing. And anise seed is even more potent in that department. So I like it because it's kind of sweet and you can add it to a tea with some peppermint. That's also going to help with the tummy upset. Um, and it just makes it a really delicious tea. So that's the other thing is like herbs don't have to taste yucky. They can be really, really delicious. And that's one of my favorite things to do in this world is to formulate herbal remedies that not only work really, really well, but taste great because again, it's a lifestyle sure. and nobody's going to bring something that tastes like crap into their lifestyle every day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, sorry, crazy freak. I'm not taking that. Um, so there's I'm a thinking, lot of balance there. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't matter if they're cooked or raw. Um, all the herbs or yeah. Cause you know, like they say that about some vegetables that to right. get the benefits, you know, you shouldn't eat this raw. It's so, there's so many conflicting messages out there. Well, drives me there. crazy. It's but really herbs, hard. <laughs> herbs are those separate from that? Like you can just throw an herb any in, you know, whether it's raw or cooked and you're going to get the same benefit. Um, no. Okay. So herbs are really complex. There's a whole lot of different medicinal constituents within every single plant. Some of those medicinal constituents are soluble in water, so you can make a nice herbal tea. Some of them are soluble in fats and oils, so you could infuse them and make a nice culinary oil that is not only delicious, but great food. Some of them are soluble in alcohol and you can make a tincture or an apple cider vinegar extract or glycerin. Like there's a lot of different ways okay. to use your herbs. And yeah, it's, it's 
it's science for sure. <laughs> and yeah, art. it really is. It's very in depth, but it seems simplistic at the same time. If you can just go into your spice cabinet and yeah. pull out some, some basic herbs or grow your own, which is another thing, but okay. Heck yeah. We've that's, got- that's what I recommend is like, <laughs> Try and pile on as many of those culinary herbs if you can grow them in your garden or in your kitchen windowsill. Like put them in all your meals. Basil is amazing. Another great carminative. So one simple way to recognize those herbs that are going to ease tummy upset, they are going to be really, really fragrant. That's what makes them such, these particular ones we're talking about, such great culinary herbs, right? Because they're flavorful. So they're rich in these, these volatile oils. And that has this tummy soothing, gas relieving, bloating, get rid of that's a word, um, (laughs) (laughs) effect on the body. So um, it's super duper cool. So that's just one category of herbs that I would turn to for an upset tummy. And now if you want to know a couple of magic ones that will really help put out the fire. Yes. Um, there's a couple of them. One that is my favorite herb to teach anybody because it has so many medicinal benefits and it's readily available all, at least throughout this country, probably most parts of the world, except for maybe some super duper arid places, but it's called plantain. And I may be a bit bananas, but I'm not talking about the banana like plantains (laughs) that you're seeing in the grocery store. Right. It's plantain, it's plantago major, and it's a weed, and most people try and kill it. So if you you or your neighbors have been spraying it with chemicals, do not use that as medicine or food. Right. But if you find it, it's going to grow in sidewalk cracks, it's going to grow at the side of the road, it's going to grow at the trailhead, it's going to grow at the park, it grows all over. And it's super duper cool because it's got this ability to replenish mucosal tissue cells and it's mostly thought of for the skin for cuts and scrapes and owies and things like that it's like the first herb i teach any kid and it has that same action on the gut and the digestive system because that is also mucosal tissue from from the mouth all the way down to the anus um so plantain as a tea or a powdered plantain in some applesauce can really work wonders um and then marshmallow not the jet puff stuff right right (laughs) we're not really making s'mores but this beautiful plant (laughs) it's althea officinalis she's super lovely if you can grow her in your garden um it's gonna grow to like six feet tall and she's got these really really soft leaves that you just want to rub on your face because she's so great and she's got beautiful like white to pink flowers well The roots of this plant are super duper powerful medicine for putting out the fire, putting out the inflammation. And um, they're really rich in this stuff called mucilage and lots of polysaccharides. So you, my puppy wants all the attention. So (laughs) sorry, (laughs) you can um, do what's called a cold infusion. So just take a little bit of the root, like a teaspoon up to three teaspoons and about a quarter to half cup max of water. And you're going to put it in your refrigerator. And overnight, it's going to get this slimy consistency. It's going to remind you of some really clear snot, but do not worry about this (laughs) snot. 
because it's where the good medicine is. It's so mucilaginous herbs are cooling and coating Ooh. and soothing to dry, um, dry, hot conditions basically and and membranes so that stuff is really good and you can drink it down and it's gonna feel really awesome on the tummy and like yeah. every day or just when you have a stomach upset like that um depends on what's going on i wouldn't do it every day it's not really necessary um but if you are working to like do some serious gut healing uh adding marshmallow to your diet or to your your protocol could be incredibly helpful Okay. So do you feel <laughs> like your gut has to be a-okay before you can even address brain health? No, I mean, yes. And go ahead and start working on the brain, right? Because our brain is really, really important. And um, one of my favorite brain herbs that is in your kitchen cabinet is rosemary. Okay. Rosemary is shown to bring circulation up to the brain. And when you're bringing oxygen and nutrients to your brain, it's going to perform better. And there are certain um, constituents in rosemary that have also been shown to improve memory. Awesome. Yeah. So that's really nice. When I was going through school to become a clinical herbalist, I was in Portland, Oregon, and we would have these really long, intensive weekends of training. And um, every break, I'd go take a walk. And Portland, Oregon was once a really cool city. And everybody would have rosemary shrubberies on their on their in their yard and i'd just grab a sprig of rosemary and stick it behind my ear and it would help me get through the rest of that day it was really, really awesome. yeah oh that's so cool yeah okay so i saw that you were you were living in oregon but you also are from germany how long did you live in germany i was born there at a very young age um and i stayed until i was four okay and then i have lived all over the country including nebraska where you are oh where at i most of my childhood was in Nebraska, actually. Um, I lived, we started at Offutt Air Force Base because I'm a military brat. Okay. And then we went to Ashland, to Wahoo, and to Lincoln. You are all over the place. That's yeah. so funny. And where are you now? I am still in Oregon, but I live in the foothills of Mount Hood in what's called the Villages of Mount Hood. So I live in paradise. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So, um, I, so you've seen uh, herbs growing, different kinds of herbs all over. If you've been traveling all over, right? Like, yeah, but I wasn't aware of it in okay. those ages. Like, I've been in I I left Atlanta, Georgia, because after Nebraska, I moved to Atlanta, and <laughs> then I took six months driving driving across the country in a Volkswagen bus that I rebuilt from the ground up. That was in 1999. And when I landed in Oregon is basically when my herbal fascination and my fascination with plants. Yeah, I would love to go there. It looks yeah. so beautiful there. I've never been, but it is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. How long does it take to go through that schooling for herbs? Um, Forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. No, like it is a lifelong study. That's that's what I say for that. So it really depends. There's so many different ways you can approach becoming an herbalist. You can do self study and you can read books, and that's how I started for sure. Um, 
I love to go to herb conferences because you get to learn little bits from many different herbalists. And because herbalism is both science and art, there are so many different ways to approach it. So that's really, really beautiful. And then, um, and then I went to a school called the Elderberry School of Botanical Studies, and they had one, two, and three-year options. That's where I got to know a lot more of the plants that grow around me, how to identify them, how to harvest them at the peak of their medicinal potency, and how to recognize and how to harvest in an ethical fashion that's going to ensure those plants are going to come back for future generations. Super important. Yes. Um, and, and how to make medicine. So I did that. And then it just made me want to know more and more and yeah. more. And so I went to a place called Portland School of Traditional Western Herbalism. And that was a much more heavy clinical focus on herbalism. So I would be learning from really, really skilled, the best of the best medical herbalists and clinical herbalists, naturopathic physicians, nurses, um, really, really skilled healthcare providers all the way around that were just, they'd come in and they would teach that really intensive weekend on their expertise. And that would be the focus of that whole year. So that was a, another three-year program. And then interspersed in there, I go to continual um, herb conferences, like at the Naturopathic College here in Portland, Oregon. And I have I have continuously been a student of Dr. Aviva Rams herbal medicine for women's program, but um, I've never fully completed it. It's just an, it's an ongoing study. Um, one of my, one of my greatest teachers that rings loudly in my mind, his name's Paul Bergner. He's brilliant. He started a few really incredible clinical schools. And one thing he would say, you know, he's, he's got me by about 40 years and well, maybe not that much, but pretty close. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, he would always say, well, I've been doing this for 40 years and I figure I have another 75 or so to go before I'm a master. And, wow. Um, you know, think about it. How many plants are around you? There's so many medicinal properties and so many of them. And then you travel around the world and wow, new plants, new people, new bodies, new conditions. There's always more things being brought up. Gosh, that is fascinating. It really is. I mean, because I think people are starting to wake up a little bit and realize that maybe, you know, people had the right idea that had gardens and making their own food, you know, mm -hmm. having their own access instead of relying on the grocery stores. And Absolutely. And Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, if you're not shopping just in like the, I mean, our grocery stores are filled with crap. For the most part, you know, you have this tiny section of colorful produce and maybe like three choices of a meat that hasn't been pumped full of antibiotics and who knows what, you know, yeah. um, that stuff's making us sick. There's no doubt about it. Like the heavily processed food like stuff is not food. It's not nutrient rich. Our bodies need vitamins and minerals and nutrients that come from the ground and haven't been processed forever and ever. And I'm not here to judge anyone in that realm. Like I'm also a part of our society. It's hard. It's just the fact that we are not set up for success in our health. Yeah. It's scary. It really is. Um, do you take vitamins and supplements or do you rely solely on herbs? 
I wish I could rely solely on herbs. Um, sometimes I go through those phases where I forget my vitamins or supplements for sure. Um, but I'm not perfect in all of this either. So it's, it's, it, it's time consuming, number one, to make and prepare all of your meals. And we live in a society where, you know, time is precious. And so yes. we spend it scrolling on social media, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of going out to the garden or making a healthy meal, we're like, I'm sorry, I don't have enough time for this. Hold on, what's going on on Instagram? <laughs> it's so true, though. So it is. True. It's yeah. hard. Like, they did a great job of making those things addictive. Um so yeah, I am not anti-supplement. I ideally most people are able to get all of their nutrients from their food, but um again, it's really really hard. So yeah. give your your body the nutrients it needs. Yeah, a good yeah. diet is definitely key. Um but you know, again, there's so much conflicting information out there. It's just it's mind-boggling. Nobody knows what they're supposed to eat or do. Well, you there's no one diet for everybody. Right, right everybody is different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So <laughs> round it back. Um, <laughs> rosemary is really yes. good. What else was good for, um, memory and focus? Yeah. One of my absolute favorites and must haves is go to cola is really fantastic. And, um, you do want to be careful where you source your go-to cola. It does grow in some pretty gnarly ditches, but you may be able to grow it on your own as well. Just make sure where you get your plant medicine from. It's a reliable source and not filled with, with toxins. So I'm a huge fan of don't panic. It's organic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so go-to cola is fantastic. It also does a wonderful job of bringing circulation up to the brain. It has been shown to be incredibly helpful for people dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia and to also prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, it will improve the memory. It will help you stay more sharp and focused and super easy, affordable herb to get, which is really nice. Um, and then like another, uh, brain sister friend in that department, maybe it's a brother. I don't know. Um, <laughs> is ginkgo biloba, you know, the one that has all the pretty leaves on all the clothes and everything. And it's right. so glorified in that way, but it's, it's really powerful medicine as well with very many, um, similar benefits to the go-to cola. It does bring circulation up to the brain, improving the oxygenation and just, um, bringing the nutrients that our blood needs to bring up to the brain. Um, and it is also really helpful for those dealing with Alzheimer's. And those two are go-tos for me. Get it? Go-to cola. Got it. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about reliable places to get things, how do people know what is a reliable place that's going to have quality things? Cause yeah. you know, people do like to shop on Amazon or just go online. And how do you know who's reputable? All in all, look for the organic certification. I will say that, but also know that if there's somebody in your community or somebody that you know and trust, or you can read this high quality story about them, they may be using all organic everything. And I wrote that on my ingredients, like all organic, but I can't actually put it on the front package. So um, that's a tough one. Huge proponent of growing your own as much as possible. Again, I know we're all time starved and not everybody's got a green thumb. Mine's not so green. I'm thankful 
partner who he does have a pretty green thumb. Um, so that can be challenging for some. Some people might not have the space to do it. Then yeah. I really highly local organic farmers. Maybe they're just growing food right now, but there is a high demand for organic herb farmers right now. One absolute favorite places to get herbs from is a small organic family owned herb farm. They're actually getting pretty big, but not so big. Um, they're in Southern Oregon. It's called Oshala Herb Farm, O-S-H-A-L-A. Um, Elise and Jeff Higley are the owners of that farm and they are phenomenal people and the medicine that they grow is top notch. Wow. Another company that I work with that is probably the largest herb supplier in our country. Um, I have toured all of their facilities. I've been given a personal tour with the owner and um, I've seen everything they do. I've seen their labs. I know how precise they are in testing. I've seen all of their initiatives to give back and operate their business in the most sustainable way possible. Like they've got a heavy recycling program going on throughout all of their buildings and really, really educate and emphasize in this way. And they support organic farmers only. And that is Mountain Rose Herbs. They are pretty darn well known in the herb sphere of things and be careful on Amazon more often than not what you are getting in an Amazon place has been number one it's been harvested then it's been dried and then it's been sent to some company and then that company's had it on their warehouse shelves and then yeah. they package it and then it goes to Amazon and it sits on the shelves so you can really smell and see and feel the energy of a good quality herb that is not old so be aware um, of it, that. That's that's so useful information. I mean, that is huge because a lot of people do for convenience, but it's not convenient if you're buying something and it's so old, it doesn't even work. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> eye opening. Um, mm -hmm. Does it matter or do you have any insight as far as the soil that you buy if you're going to um, not in, if you're going to do it in um, your own little pots or whatever inside? Do, do you have to buy a certain kind of soil or does that really play a huge part in it? I would seek an organic kind of soil. So I actually go, we have um, a big rock and dirt and bark chip supply store. It's called Boring Bark. I live close to Boring, Oregon. It's actually the name <laughs> of the town. Um, <laughs> and they have a really cool garden store and you know they've got these tractors going all around and they got their bays full of bark chips and hazelnuts and rocks and what have you all over the place and they have a four-way soil that is earth and manure and and the compost and all of those kinds of things so um i'm fortunate i'll i'll just get like a truck bed or two of that um the look for something that is without a bunch of chemicals Right. You know, I think it's o o o m s i or o s m i. It's some kind of organic soil certification. Okay. Um, yeah, I would. I would. That's how I would want to grow my medicine. Gosh. Because again, those other chemicals are keeping us sick. They are why there is so much disease in our country. That it's so interesting. It really is. I mean, I seriously could talk to you all day, and I'm not going to do that to you. Um, <laughs> one more thing to ask you, and then I'm going to let sure. you promote yourself. Um, again, if your diet's going okay, if you are dealing with anxiety or stress, I know that that can affect your immune system as well. So obviously 
people are um, on high alert as far as their immune systems right now with the COVID mm-hmm. and everything, but what is a good thing to take or um, how to help with anxiety and stress? What's a good herb for that? Yeah, there's a, the herbs are going to act differently on, on everybody. So I'm going to talk about every herb that is what's called a nerving. That's the category of herbs we're going to talk about right now. Just because an herb works for me, Don, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. There are some that, you know, as a broad general spectrum are really fantastic, but for those dealing with anxiety is related to the gut like my daughter for instance does deal with anxiety and it's just so much of it is within her personality but every time she gets anxious about something she's my tummy hurts mom Mm. and that is because of the gut brain connection we have a lot of neurotransmitters that are made in our gut like dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine and all of these um, things that really have a direct effect on our mood and so on so in our mental health um so that's that's really important to pay attention to and so because of that i tend to look for nerving herbs that also do act on the digestive system some of my favorite um number one is chamomile i know Mm. so many people think of chamomile as a sleepy time herb and it is because it is what's called a sedating nerving so there's a couple categories of nerving herbs there's the sedating ones Coffee is also a nerving. Coffee is a stimulating mm. nerving, right? That's Coffee wakes you up. It's acting on your nervous system immediately, right? Yeah. Um, so you want the ones that aren't going to do that. <laughs> um, chamomile is amazing because it is also an anxiolytic. So that means it's going to help with those that are dealing with anxiety. It is also a phenomenal herb for the gut. It is is a carminative. So it does ease gassiness and bloating and um, tummy upset. It has these, this property, it's, it's bitter. And bitter is actually a really, really good thing for us. We, we are so addicted to sugar in our society, but um, bitter is really, really important to have more of if you are aiming for overall healthier digestion, because it promotes the flow of bile and your digestive secretions. It helps your body break down fats and proteins and like the list of benefits to having more bitter in your life is endless. Um, Also it is anti-inflammatory specific for the gut. So that's when I go to right away and is highly effective for my daughter. Uh, Linden, Linden is one I love a lot. So Tilia species, it's this beautiful tree and the leaves and the flowers. For me, I can think of the Linden tree, which grows, definitely grows readily around where I live. I think it might grow throughout the U.S., but I could be wrong. Regardless, it is an amazing tree. And when I think of Linden, like I instantly can feel like, the branches of this tree wrapping its loving arms around me to hug me and hold me and let me know that whatever crap I'm going through is going to be okay. Um, and mm. it's powerful in that way. Um, so that's one. <laughs> um, I could go on and on and on and on. Lemon balm, super easy to grow. It is in the mint family. It is delicious. It's very child friendly. Um, it is a nerving. It is also a carminative. Um, so those are going to be really, really helpful. There, there's really a lot. Tulsi, yeah, those are great basil, examples. <laughs> uh, 
Don, you didn't know what you were getting into. (laughs) No, really. I find it just fascinating. I really do. And I am going to make an attempt, I think, you know, come spring to try and grow. Um, I do not have a green thumb, but Mm -hmm. I am so intrigued with all of these benefits and yeah. I do try and eat very well. So that's just seems like that's the next step. So yeah, start with those mint family plants, like the lemon balm mint family, like pretty much grows on its own. You do want to be careful because it can take over. Um, <laughs> but lemon balm is a nice, easy one. Peppermint has so much medicinal value to it. So it can be easy. Yeah. Well, that's what I need at least to start. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. So where can people find you? You do have your own podcast. I do have my own podcast. It's called the herbalists path. Um, and it's at the herbalistspath.com. Awesome. <laughs> and I am on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, all at the Herbalist Path. I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted a new video in a bit, but I will be getting on the up and up with that here soon again. Um, so those are the places I'm on social. And then I run an herbal mentorship called Apothecary Mama, where I teach moms and grands how to use plants as medicine for their family. We focus on child-friendly herbs, but the cool thing about those child-friendly herbs, most of them I just talked about in this episode, also are amazing for grown-ups. So that's, that's really fun. No, that's great. Oh, I just appreciate your time so much. And thank you for making a difference. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Gotta make herbalism spread like wildflowers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mel, so much. And I will be in touch. Awesome. Have a great day, Don. You too. Thank you for having me. Bye.